Hey everybody, welcome back to the J-Boo Cast with the Fencing Coach. It's been a while, I've had a couple things on my plate in life. A little thing called a marriage that I had to get done. A couple other weddings I had to be a best man in, so apologies for this long delay, but we're back. First of all, what a goddamn week. Uh, we ended the Aguayo era with a bang. Hard Knock somehow managed to be better than the first episode. And league-wide, we saw Roger Goodell bring the hammer down hard on Ezekiel Elliott, the rookie phenom who led the league in rushing last year. I want to start off with a few notes about Aguayo. It's kind of a weird feeling for me, but if it makes any sense, I'm glad we moved on. But at the same time, I'm sad we did. If Hard Knock showed us anything, it's that Aguayo didn't fail from a lack of trying. I think he was honored to have been drafted to us, to have been drafted as high as he was. And he did everything in his power to succeed here. He really did. With his sports psychologist, uh, it, you know, it just didn't work out. And he was devastated it didn't. You could see how dejected he was when it came time to pack his bags. I mean, for the moment he got out of his, his car and, and walked through the parking lot, you could just see from his body language, he knew it was coming. And he was, he was, he was devastated by it. It was painful to watch the whole thing. So when we dive into the questions in a minute or two, we'll talk a little bit more about Aguayo. But the lesson learned here is that the haymaker, unorthodox, and drastic moves Jason Light has made, these are the kind of things that continue to stagnate our progression into a playoff team. So Roberto, I, I wish you luck in Chicago. You're in the arms of the ginger giraffe once again, and you deserve a second chance. Let's get into the questions, starting with my good buddy you make. You make's first question is, with a piss-poor performance of Ryan Fitzpatrick and an injury sustained to Griffin, where do we turn to our, uh, acquire our QB2? I am impressed by how Cepho played in a limited role. like to see more of him. Your take on this. So, I think the Bucks are going to wind up with two QBs on the roster. And unless Fitzpatrick continues to stick up the place on an uh, epic scale, I think he's going to end up as the number two guy. Uh, the career of Fitz has always been one of crazy upswings, epic downswings. And we've seen the best of him when he's forced to come in as a backup. God forbid that should happen. Now, there's a lot of preseason football left to be played. But if I made a bet, uh, Fitzpatrick will probably beat out Cepho. And perhaps Cepho will wind up on the practice squad. Next question from you make. The offense looked every bit as good as it was hyped to be, albeit not capitalizing on a touchdown. What do you think could be some deterrence to how great this offense can be? Uh, the deterrence that could prevent this offense from being great are pretty numerous. For one thing, I, I still don't love our offensive line aside from Marpet and Dotson, and even Marpet's transition to center is going to be no sure success story. Uh, at this point, Jameis has established a, a pretty respectable report with Evans and Bray. Adam Humphreys as well, but it's going to take time for him to get used to targets like Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard. So while I'm not expecting us to be like the greatest show on turf next year, I think we're going to see a lot more formidable offense than what we put on the field in 2015 and 2016. We also kind of have this issue with a running game right now. Three games is a long time to be without Doug Martin, and even when he returns, it's a crapshoot if we're going to get 2012 and 2015, Doug, or the Doug who has tortured us every other season of his career. Our backup running backs are meant to be more like rotational guys, not feature backs. So there could be some ugly performances there to start the season. 
all in all, offense is progressing well, but I'm not expecting a top-tier powerhouse offensive performance this year. Third question from you, Make is he says, VH3 looked every part of the bit, uh, every bit the part of a CB1 in the first preseason game. Do you think he continues to trend up and become the stud we thought he would be? So, I'm a Gators fan. I watch every one of uh, VH3's college games. I've never doubted the potential he has. I'm not about to judge him from one preseason game at, at cornerback, though. Uh, in fact, if I remember correctly, last year, Pro Football Focus graded him as one of the top five uh, preseason corners. And once the regular season came around, he showed that he was like all rookies. You know, he, he had a big adjustment to make to the, to the league, and that's fine. But to answer your question, yeah, he's going to trend upward. I think he'll progress to an adequate starter this year, less of a liability. And if that's what we get out of him, that's good enough for a second-year player in a division that has, uh, you know, the more high-octane offenses. And a last question from you, Mick. As a great man and Bucks fan, have you turned the corner of your house into a pissing corner for the men to use? So, yeah, you, you make, I live in a pet-friendly apartment complex, man. The corner of the building isn't a pissing wall. All four all walls are pissing walls. So when I'm done podcasting today, I'm going to ask my wife if I can save a wall of our bedroom for peeing on. I think she'll be amenable to the idea as a newer Bucks fan who also likes Jameis. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes when I pee on our bedroom wall. All right, moving on to the next questions from the hood, the bad, the ugly. Does the swap of Tannehill for Cutler... Hurt or help our chances against the Dolphins in Week One? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, man. Ryan Tannehill is is uh, he's the kind of guy who sits at a five dollar blackjack table, conservatively bets his chips. If he lost fifty bucks in a night, he'd say, "Well, gee golly, Josh Dart, I've lost fifty dollars. I better head home." Jay Cutler, on the other hand, that guy is sitting at a high stakes table, betting black action bets every hand, downing whiskey shots, and laughing in the dealer's face. With every big bet he makes. If he begins to lose, he's likely to stick a cigarette in his mouth, get belligerent, and continue to throw those big bets on the table. And that's kind of how I see this game unfolding. Cutler is is at his best when he's ahead. When he's behind, he has a competitive attitude, much like RQB, that makes him try to take over games, and that often leads to some pretty wild mistakes. It, it comes down to us trying to get a lead and, and getting a lead early, and that's how you bring up crazy J black action Cutler. So I, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. Uh, I, think, I think we really need to get that lead early and then make him do some stupid things. I hope that's what we do. Next question from Hood. Do we need to make a move to add depth to our now thinning secondary? I think right now we stay put. Uh, we knew going into this offseason that our secondary was a huge area of need, specifically at cornerback. Uh, Grimes will luckily be ready for the season. And his laceration is a blessing in disguise because I think it gives uh, gives a vet some much-needed rest before the season. I think unless one of our top two cornerbacks goes goes down, we don't need to make any drastic, drastic moves that are going to mortgage our future. Uh, no matter what, this is going to be a pretty weak spot for us this season, and we just have to account for it. Though I've heard that uh, Darrell Revis is looking for a job. I don't know if I'm half-joking or not, but hell, he's on the market. Last question. How lit was that new red jersey white pants with red stripe red sock combo? I dug it. Uh, 
I still absolutely detest our newer jersey compared to the older ones. But I think the least repulsive ones are the reds. And since you brought this up, if I were to fix our jerseys, I'd completely redo the numbering to more resemble our old ones. And I make the logo on our helmet just a little bit smaller. I still hate our jerseys. Alright, Bucks Capacitor. Triggering me with this question. The big debate seems to be over whether Light should be praised for releasing Aguayo or blamed for making the move in the first place. Can it be both, he asks. Oh yeah, man, it could be both. Every fan base wants to believe their draft class was the best class and that every pick was a steal... And we all hate to see moves not worked out as intended. But Jason Light screwed this up bigly. This wasn't even a move that was bad in hindsight. This was a move that was widely criticized at the time. And it's going to go down as being worse than Anthony Collins and, and Michael Johnson combined. For good reason. When we entered the 2016 season, we still had a ton of glaring weaknesses. And Kicker was not among them. You know, we, we, We've had guys like Connor Barth and, and uh, Matt Bryant who... They're never going to be Hall of Fame level kickers, but they were. I think I I read something the other day that Bryant was an 88% kicker since we let him go. That's at least a level of consistency that we probably could have lived with. And when we took Aguayo, we were one season removed from that 2 14 season and the number one overall pick. And that should tell you that our needs went deep in positions that actually matter. So. Is, is Jason Light smart for cutting him so fast? Uh, no smarter than he was for drafting Aguayo to begin with. Second round picks are franchise building blocks, and we've already ditched two of them in Roberto Aguayo and Austin Safarian Jenkins, who, who were both gambled picks. I've said this many times, but when Jason Light plays it conservatively, he's at his best. When he makes the crazy moves in free agency and the draft playing with house money... These are the one-step-forward, two-step-back moves that keep us in the doghouse. Light is now in his fourth year as our general manager, and we still haven't made the playoffs. I've been a skeptic of the guy from the beginning, and I hope his future approach is more like the 2017 offseason than the three before it. We played it pretty conservatively this year. If we're not uh, in this season for the, for the playoffs, he, he's all but out of excuses. And if he ever is fired, the Aguayo move will be one of the first reasons why. I'm just glad the embarrassment is over. All right, this one from Jarvis Mark 5. He has Donovan Smith played uh, surprisingly well during the first preseason game, with him making Michael Johnson look like a fool on at least one pass protection. Do you think he has a chance to live up to our expectations of him, or are you still ready to move on? Uh, So Donovan Smith has always played adequately well against the mid-link pass rushers of the league. And at this point in his career, that's kind of what Michael Johnson is. A mid-link pass rusher who Jason Light signed like a premier one. Preseason, we're going to be able to get some matchups for him with, with guys like Ryan Kerrigan with the Redskins, uh, Calais Campbell with, with Jacksonville, Miles Garrett in Cleveland. I want to see how he fares against talent like them before uh, really making judgment on him. As for if he has a chance to live up to our expectations and if I'm ready to move on, sure, I, I think he has a chance to live up to our expectations and I have, a, I have a chance to be the president of the United States of America. I'm not ready to move on yet, but if the stagnation he showed from year one to year two continues into year three, I think we have to look uh, long, long and hard at draft options for 2018. 
All right, this one from Skelder93. He asks, so now that Aguayo has been cut, who do you think we should have taken with the picks that we used to get him? So I'm not I'm not going to try to revise history here. Uh, so just to be clear, when the Aguayo move happened, I supported it. So take my hindsight bias here uh, with a grain of salt. It's kind of early to say which uh, 2016 late second round, early third round guys will pan out. But I, I think it would have been helpful to have Von Bell here last season. My wife is, is a Buckeyes fan, so I watched a lot of him in college. Really liked him to the, to the point I was surprised he didn't go in the first round. He had a decent rookie season with the Saints. I think, I think he would have done a lot better than Chris Conti, that's for sure. Above all else, I wish we hadn't moved on from Matt Bryant or, or Connor, Connor Barth. Hashtag, it's a Bucks life. All right, everybody, that's all for uh, for this week. I'm going to try to get into um, more regular podcasting moving forward. Hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, appreciate your questions that you submitted. Go Bucks! Kick some Jaguar ass.